Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you ever want the arrest for the murder of William Miller, who was the gas station attendant? You're wrong. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Season 7, Episode 12 follow-up episode. I'm joined in the studio by Mike Bussing. Hey, Bob. And Zach Weaver. Hey, guys. And this week we covered the testimony, well, really, the evolution of Danny Martinez's story from his original eyewitness account to his statements to his interviews along the way, the police lineups, all the way up to his final version of events at Jamie Snow's trial. And I know for myself, I can say that I came away from, I don't want to say the episode because I was writing it, but as I was researching and writing, I came away from the Danny Martinez issue, believing that he is absolutely full of it. I don't believe a word that he said on the stand. And uh, listeners seem to mostly agree with me from what I've seen, but Mike's got a whole list of questions there. At the end of this episode today, we also have a special guest, Mr. George Powell from our season four case who one week ago today, we're recording this Wednesday, was finally released from prison on bond for the first time in almost 11 years. George gave me a call this morning, and uh, we chatted a little bit, and he has uh, some messages and some things to say to all of you. So that's coming up at the end. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and cover our Season 7 questions. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, our first question comes from listener Christy. She writes, after the information reviewed, is Danny Martinez a suspect? I don't think so. I thought long and hard about this, honestly, when I saw this question posed, because a few people posted this, wanting to know if if we should consider Danny Martinez a suspect at this point because of the way he lied at trial. Personally, I do not think that he is, but I'm curious. Zach, what do you think? I, I think that he did happen to be there, um, but I don't see him as a suspect. I think if he was a suspect, he'd be pushing he, he would be pushing more of these other potential suspects on and not kind of jumping around so much well you know he did push him on but it took nine years yeah well that's what i'm saying if he was Mm -hmm. a suspect you think right away he would be like nope i saw this guy yeah i don't think he'd be at the scene uh back in 91 talking to police if he was the suspect 
Right. And I, I think that if in the police lineup, we would have heard it's him, not uh, it's between those two, never making a positive ID. Like you were saying, Zach, I think that he probably would have fingered someone to get the heat off of himself. But I think there's more to it than just that. You know, we have the Luna Boys testimony and statements from across the street. That really cuts hard away from Martinez being involved because they both claim to have seen right before the police arrived, the man coming out of the gas station, walking out and walking around the corner. Mm -hmm. And the description doesn't match Martinez at all. You know, I do have a question about that. Do they mention him? Now, I don't remember them ever mentioning him. And now you think, based on what we talked about before, that he would be in their line of sight. Right. He would have been. He would have been right in their line of sight. So you think that they would see him and would mention that there was another person there or something. You know what I mean? Like, something doesn't add up to me. I don't get it either unless they were just kind of looking past him and not paying attention. Mm-hmm. But there's, you know, there, there's more There's more going on here, too, as far as Martinez's story. I mentioned in the episode that listening to the actual dispatch tape, which I play, I didn't play it because I played the first episode and it's super duper hard to hear, mm-hmm. really loud. But you could hear from the time Pilo ran Martinez's plates and he's talking to the dispatcher and, and she says, leads us down. He said, well, just hold it for me. From that point until he got to the, the door of the gas station, looked in and said, this is a possible rescue. So he'd seen Bill at that point it was 33 seconds. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know, and Tammy Alexander pointed out to me, I went back and listened. If you're listening closely, what he says is he's driving away or he drove away and I want to make sure we keep that plate in case this is an armed robbery. I caught that as well. And the one thing that kind of struck me is, is that road, is Empire one way? Yeah. Okay. So because they did say he left westbound. Uh-huh. And he lives east of the gas station. So right. So that kind of struck me as weird. And especially as the way that I would assume he was parked. Now, mm-hmm. this is making assumptions and that doesn't always work well. But assuming the way he's parked and where the gas pump is. If he was just going back home, you could go right back through the back of the store, right back through the back of the parking lot to the alley, circle the block. Right. But he left westbound. Mm-hmm. And they don't make any mention of him going anywhere. They make him leave going westbound. Right. But he, his story was he was only going to get Fill the tire some soda and get and, soda. Right. Yeah. So I don't, there's some weirdness there. Yeah, the whole thing's strange. He did explain a little bit. I didn't read it all. The trial testimony... And all the the documents are up on our website now. I I know they weren't up Sunday when I thought they were. We were having internet issues again, uh, but they're up now. Um, but he did say that he parked he parked on the street usually with that vehicle. Mm-hmm. So I always I always imagined him backing out of his driveway and backing in there. He he was parked on the street. It's one way. So he pulled in. His story's all over the place about what he did. And Pilo in '99 when he gave his interview said that he left westbound. Mm-hmm. The transcript. But in the actual dispatch tape, he doesn't say it was direction, but he, you do hear him say, and, and that is with everybody lying and all the changing stories and manipulated memories, the one thing that we can be, we can really hang on to is the actual dispatch tape because it's not him, even if it was an hour later, remembering this is what happened, we're hearing it happen. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, run this plate, da-da-da, there's a car in the parking lot, leads us down, just hold it for me, and he says... It's driving away, and I want to make sure that we have it in case this is an actual armed robbery. I heard him say, in case this is an actual armed robbery, but it was hard for me to understand what he was saying. But that's what he's saying. Okay. So Pilo, in that moment, not retelling the story, 
in the moment, we have him recorded talking to dispatch, and he says the car drove away before he even crossed the street. Okay. So then you got Martinez now, 10 years later, nine years later, on the witness stand saying, the officer came across, told me to go. I told him I just saw the man. I mean, it's this whole story is complete bullshit. Yeah, and, and regardless of how you feel about Pilo, you know, because obviously down the road we have these issues with Pilo. But right. at that moment, you have to assume that he's doing his job mm-hmm. because even if he is doing what he was doing down the road at that point, he's trying to hide it. Right. So he needs to be doing what he's supposed to be doing. Well, and he's in the heat of the moment. You know, yeah, this so isn't you, some calculated cover up. You know, what happened in those if what Martinez said was true, that would mean that an officer in the heat of the moment doesn't know who's involved, doesn't know any anything at all, gets his armed robbery call. Comes up to the scene, there's a guy there who says, a guy just walked out and went that way. And we're supposed to believe that he ignores that, walks up seconds later, sees a dead body inside the convenience store, and never even considers going to chase after the guy or saying something about it. It's ridiculous to think that would happen. Mm -hmm. And now we know with 100% certainty it didn't happen, because in the dispatch tape, we hear him say that... Martinez in his car drove away. He didn't know his name then, but he knew that he said that the car drove away yeah. already. All right. Michael says, did the police or state's attorney have something on Martinez that they were holding over his head? I don't think so. I've tried to do some background checking. The problem is there's like five, five or six Danny Martinez's or Daniel Martinez's in the McLean County criminal records database. And that, that doesn't, there could be even more. That's just the ones that have records on the database. One of them did have that. I, I don't know what Martinez's date of birth is. It's all redacted. But one of them had like some cocaine possession and distribution charges and some things like that. So it's possible. I don't think that was our Danny Martinez. Uh, I got to do a little more digging into that. Uh, there's another one where the birthday could be possible as far as the age. Because you know, some of them, the guy was born in you know 1980. He would have been 11 years old at the time. Yeah. So obviously, it wasn't him. Um, Danny was a, an adult with a wife and kids at this point that just all I saw in their record was one speeding ticket in their whole life. So I, I don't think they had anything over him, but I think that, well, I don't think I know. I mean, the, the state's attorney's office and the Bloomington PD cats and Barkus were putting massive amounts of pressure on people. And what we know from what Tammy told us they were doing to her and to her sister-in-law, Susan Claycomb was to threaten them with charges of their own. You know, that's how they got them to talk is they they were they were saying, "Listen, you tell us or we're charging you with murder." And they did charge Susan with murder. So who knows, you know, it's it's easy to be pissed off at Danny Martinez, which is all warranted. I'm not excusing it at all. But then it makes me wonder what would cause a guy to change a story like that that drastically. And then, and then what we do know, we don't know what kind of pressure they did put on him, but what we do know happened is in that year, prior to Jamie's arrest, clearly they had their sights set on Jamie. In the interview that we played parts of from 99, we had the transcript, the whole transcript posted on the website. They are saying Jamie's name, I think they say it five times in a matter of seconds. Hmm. And they're like, do you know Jamie Snow? Could you have said this was Jamie Snow? If someone asked you who did this, you don't know Jamie, so you couldn't say Jamie Snow. You'd think that Jamie was already in prison at this point, mm-hmm. but he hadn't even been arrested yet. And it's Jamie Snow, Jamie Snow, Jamie Snow, Jamie Snow, Jamie Snow. 
And then he says, no, I know people by their faces more than their names. And that's when he says, well, do you recognize this face? And then claims he didn't show him a picture. But what else? I mean, what did you think? Did you think that he was showing him a picture? What 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 other explanation? You're pretty good at devil's advocate usually. What other explanation is there between him saying Jamie Snow's name five times and when Martinez says, I don't recognize his name. I, I, I only recognize faces. And you hear him say, then do you recognize this face? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. If he's not showing him a picture, I don't know what he's doing. You know, the only other thing I could think of maybe is showing him the composite sketch. But again, that's showing him something. Right. I don't know why he would be doing that. When he's talking about Jamie Snow. When he's talking about Jamie Snow. But that's the only other. It clearly sounds like he's showing him something. Right. Now, we don't really know. We'll never know. But what else would he be doing? Because I, I don't know. The other thing that's pretty indicative of what was going on to me is the fact that Martinez then won't talk to anyone. Yeah. I mean, every time any investigator has tried to speak with him since the conviction, they all get the same response. Anything you want to know from me, you can get from the from the state's attorney's office. That seems really strange to me. Yeah, it is. Like, you're not supposed to be working for the state's attorney. You were just a witness. Mm-hmm. So, like, why? Like, it's almost like he feels like they are the ones that are going to protect him from whatever he did. And we know what he did. He lied. Mm-hmm. And in one case, we absolutely proved it. When he, they asked him in while well, he's on the stand under oath. Was there ever a time that that you complained to the police that they had uh, Bill's mother call you? And he said, "No, nope, never happened." And it's it's on tape. Mm-hmm. It's on. And I did. I think I said it was it was it was cats in the episode. I believe I have a hard time with the voices. Uh, I believe that was actually Barkus who was the one that that had done that. Just to clear that up, it wasn't cats. It was Barkus. But if you continue from there, so you got prior to Jamie's arrest, they're in there. Straight up, basically telling him, we want you to pick out Jamie Snow. Mm-hmm. Then Jamie's arrested. His picture's put in the paper. He says nothing. There's four to six times that they admitted to that the police and state's attorney talked to him from that time all the way until July of 2000, 10 months later. And, and during that time in April of 2000, now he claims on the stand that as soon as he saw that picture in the paper, he said, that's it. That's the guy. But what didn't come out at trial that the investigators found out after the trial was that just two months before that, before he did, he made the ID, or, or three months before that, before he made the ID, so now we're talking eight months after he saw the picture, when he claims he had this big realization, he met with the state's attorney's office and couldn't make an ID. Mm-hmm. Six, four to six visits, which I'm going to guess if they're admitting four to six, it was probably more like six to 12 visits. Yeah. That's just an assumption. Uh, with the police over that time, never makes an ID. And we only have one of those recorded, and that's when they're going, Jamie Snow, Jamie Snow, Jamie Snow, Jamie Snow, over and over again. Then Barkas has Bill Little's mother calling him, trying to get him to make an ID. Which is, I mean, that is unreal. I've never heard of something like that before. No, it's like, not. That just seems absolutely crazy. Right. And so, the, and then, And then finally, so who knows what the final threat was? It would not surprise me one bit. If that final meeting, when he finally says, this is him, isn't it? It wouldn't surprise me one bit if in that meeting they told him, look, if you can't identify him, then maybe you were the guy. Mm -hmm. You've already admitted you were there. We have proof you were there. Right. The only person we know who was there was you. Mm -hmm. So if you're not saying he did, because, you know, we, like I said, that seemed really really tinfoil hatty and kind of conspiracy theory. But we know they did that. They did yeah. it with Susan Claycomb. 
And they did it with Tammy, but Tammy didn't bite. But but Susan Claycomb did, at least to the point where she was afraid enough that in order to to really show they weren't bluffing, they arrested her. Like I think I've said it before. I don't think they had any intention of ever actually taking her to trial. Yeah. That was only done in order to get her to a point where she would say, okay, in order to get a deal, I will say that Jamie did it. And she didn't. And like that's like this, that DA or a state's attorney's office and that police department, that's sick. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that is really gross that they took this woman and put her on trial for murder for the rest of her life just because she wouldn't, because there was nothing there. I, I believe we're going to hear from a jury. So Sunday's episode, I'm still working out because we've had some tips come in and I'm juggling a couple things, but I believe we're going to hear from a juror from Susan Claycomb's trial on Sunday. So we'll have a little better understanding of, of what happened there. But I mean, it's pretty clear from the bits of the transcripts I've already read and what I've seen from, and I have spoken with some of these jurors who don't want to come on the podcast that there's, there was nothing there. Mm -hmm. They, they took her to trial surely out of spite for her life. Yeah. You know, I never thought about the theory of them threatening Martinez like that, but Mm -hmm. now that you say that, now that I've processed it for a second, I mean, it makes sense because realistically he's the only person they have evidence of that he's there. He admitted he was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and they, they obviously say there was a vehicle there. They ran his plates. They know that that was him. Right. So, yeah, they could definitely use that threat and say, if you don't say it's Jamie Snow. Then we're saying it's you. We're going to say it's you. And we have proof you were there. Yeah, exactly. And and again, in, in most cases, if somebody told me that, I'm like, look, you're getting a little crazy with that. I mean, would they really do that? But we know they do that. I mean, it's on. it's recorded, it's documented that they, they do that. That's how they operate. It's it's almost like the the making a murderer case. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Stephen Avery is guilty or innocent. I'm really intrigued by the stuff that that Kathleen Zellner has dug up on it. But the bottom line is, innocent or guilty, once you figure out that you know that that police department that they for sure at least did lie, they for sure at least did plant some evidence. That doesn't mean he's not guilty. Mm-hmm. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. But the fact is, once they cross that line. Now you can't believe anything they've said or done. Yeah, it's really not that far-fetched. Mm-mm. And that's where we're at, I, in my opinion, that's where we're at with, with Jamie Snow's case. They have crossed the line. We, have, we, we know for a fact they have crossed the ethical line, and they are, they are, they are operating in a way and, and, and justifies the means mentality. They are not just bending. They're breaking the rules. They're, they're being un- unethical. So at that point, I I can't trust any of their investigation. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Lisa says, Who is Charles Renfro? The guy was picked out twice in the police lineup. And why was he in there twice? He was picked out twice by Martinez. Is that right? Yeah, he was picked out. Well, he wasn't picked out twice by Martinez. Martinez in the in-person lineup, the one where Jamie was standing there and he didn't pick him. Martinez asked, he was one of the two people that Martinez asked to step forward to get a closer look at, but he never ID'd him. And so I, I would imagine that that when they a few months later did the photo array, which that the jury it, it was suppressed or one way or another, no one knew about that until after the trial. That there was a photo array where there were multiple photos of Jamie Snow in it. They included Renfro in that one again, which I assume would be because he had already given some indication that maybe it was him. As far as who Renfro was, I have a little bit of information on him. Not as much. I want to hold off getting into it because we're gonna we're gonna cover him when we're gonna we're gonna get into these alternative suspects as we move along. And I, I just don't have enough information on him yet to really speak intelligently about him, but we're going to cover him at some point. Karen says, What if any of Danny Martinez's testimony are you willing to consider? It's a lot like what I just said about the police with his testimony. I mean, the overwhelming majority of his testimony is provably false. You know, we can't, you know, when, when he says, no, they didn't have Bill's mom call me. And he says, I told Pilo that the guy went around the corner. And even that he says that I was a couple feet away from the perpetrator. The, the Luna boys see they say they see this guy walking right along the front of the station, nowhere near anybody. Pilo's across the street looking at Martinez, doesn't see anyone. And he later wrote an affidavit to that effect that he didn't see anybody else there. I think it's it's pretty close to provably false that he didn't actually come anywhere near whoever was there. So, so you, you, we know that he's lying. And so what else are we left with? Really? Even, even the ID, we know how suspect that is based on the fact that he can't identify somebody over and over and over again. And I did not only on our website, but also on the fan page, I posted the photo of the in-person lineup. You can't even see, it's a black and white photo. You can't even see Jamie's eyes in it. Mm -hmm. There's like two people where you can see their eyes really at all. For him to look at that and say, oh, I recognize those eyes. I mean, it's just the whole, in my opinion, none of it can be believed. I think that for whether it was by choice or by force, I think that when when Martinez got into the witness stand, he was up there to make the state's case plain and simple, and he was going to do whatever it took to make their case for them. Again, that could be just because he's a jerk and that's what he decided to do. Or it could be that he didn't have any other choice for whatever reason. But I personally, I don't believe any of it. Do you? No, I don't. I agree with you. I think he's up there by threat mm -hmm. at this point. Christy says, you said there are several people who recanted their testimony since the trial. Is Danny one of them? Danny is not one of them. He, he refuses to speak with anybody, uh, especially the defense investigators. This one's from H. Cooper. If another guy was ID'd in a lineup multiple times... Why did the cops have it out for Jamie? He seemed like a small-time crook, not a violent criminal. Did they consider why he would start to be violent here with this holdup? And consider that they might be chasing the wrong guy at all. 
I think Crow did. I think Crow was an honest investigator. So look at where Jamie was at at the time. At the time, when this robbery occurred, right after that, you know, he's he's arrested for another armed robbery at another gas station. So I'm fine with Jamie being a suspect. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, rumors start flying around when they start the investigation. I could see why he's on the radar, but then he, he passes a polygraph test. There's no corroborating evidence. His wife tells uh tells Crow, and that's something else I'm gonna get into. It wasn't Crow actually, but I'm gonna talk about it this week. Well, I I actually I don't know how I'm gonna fit it into the episode this week, so I'll just talk about it now. We found in the in Jamie's polygraph notes that Jamie had told the polygrapher where he was at that night, that he was at home. At trial, the prosecutor hammered on the fact that Jamie had never told police before, never told anyone that he was home that night, and now he's just making it up for trial. And there was no record, and Jamie was saying, yes, I did. There was no record anywhere to prove that that wasn't true. And then we found written in the notes in the margins of the polygraph test where it says that he was home, that, that he told them, told the police and the polygrapher that he was home that night. But in any case, back to Crow, you know, one, he's passed the polygraph. There's no evidence that he actually was there. He seems to have an alibi. He's telling him that he has an alibi. You got you got uh, Tammy's parents for sure telling the police that he didn't do it. They knew where he was at. And then you have Tammy who said that she also spoke with Crow. So Crow drops it. I don't know why Katz, when he took over, along with Barkas, decided to, to go after Jamie. I really don't want, know why they focused in on him so much other than you know, if you've never worked for the government, it's it's hard to understand this. But having spent 15 years working for the government, I get it. So this cold case unit is a new project. Mm -hmm. You know, it comes there's new project, and the only way to so a new project means more money, and the only way to justify the money for a new project is to prove that it's successful. Okay, Bloomington doesn't have a whole lot of murders. They're rel it's a relatively low crime community. And so here's this this cold case murder just sitting out there. And I think the only reason that they really went after Jamie Snow had nothing to do with Jamie Snow. I think it's because there were rumors going around about him and they needed to close a case. And that was a big one. It was a big, highly publicized case for years and years and years that was unsolved. And so, you know, once they locked in to Jamie Snow, they just weren't going to stop. And I, that's the only explanation I can have, I can come up with as to why. They went with him. I think that even with the witness identifications and other leads that came in, they couldn't necessarily find a good path to conviction. You know, so so there's you know here's a tip or a lead or Danny Martinez said it could be one of these two or they don't have anything else to go with it. They didn't have anything with Jamie either. But what they had with Jamie was a whole bunch of rumors, and it was with the crowd of people that a lot of them had criminal charges over them that they could leverage to get to do what they did, which is get a bunch of people in there to say that they heard Jamie say that he did it because they had no evidence to actually convict him on. Dean says in last week's follow-up, it was mentioned that there could have been two people. One person was there, left, then someone else who was dressed similarly came in. Bob thought this was possible or likely, which certainly made it simpler, and he had a lead about someone who did not fit the description. But I would like to understand how he thinks the no sales fit into that scenario. 
To me, the first no-sale summit breaks that theory because there would be no reason to use the no-sale button to cover the $3 gas charge transaction that we know happened. That's actually a really good question. I don't know. I mean, we can come up with some. You got something? Well, my thought is we still think that there was a gentleman there. He was still uncomfortable. Right. So we're assuming that that's the same transaction. So there there could possibly be somebody there that Bill's uncomfortable with and gets the guy out. It doesn't have anything to do with the murder. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, that's, you know, that could be how it lines up. It's just a lot of coincidence, though. I think that's a good point that he's making. Well, it is a good point, but that's not what I'm trying to make a theory of why that could happen. Okay, well, let's hear it. Well, that was it. But, you know, I mean, we've already said that Gutierrez comes in. He says that there's somebody there, and the clerk seems uncomfortable because the person's there. Uh Uh-huh. Now, even if that person leaves and is not the murderer, that still happened while he was there. So that could still very well be that no-sale. Right. Now, the other no-sales could be the second suspect coming Well, we in. know the last no-sale was the drawer opening, yeah. for sure. And the other one was just a minute or two before mm-hmm. that. And I, I guess what I'm saying is, that's, it seems like a hell of a coincidence that, that one guy comes in, has Bill so nervous that he hits a no-sale... Mm-hmm. Which is going to short his drawer, which is going to get him in trouble. Yeah, and and call and and he's nervous, and, and this guy leaves, and then ten minutes later, a murderer comes in. What if there's an enforcer and a getaway driver? The enforcer goes in first. The quote unquote enforcer goes in first, has it out with Bill. Something happens. The enforcer decides to leave and not go through with whatever's supposed to happen. The getaway driver says, "Nope, this is supposed to happen." He goes back in commits the murder and leaves which could be why gutierrez's description might not fit because it might be this other suspect okay so we're, we're dealing with from the get-go they're not independent events then in that theory right yeah. it's the enforcer and the getaway driver mm-hmm. which are, one of them doesn't get the job done the other one goes in yeah and that does sort of take care of the coincidence yeah piece of that yeah i think it's possible i mean it may be far-fetched it is far-fetched but trying to come up with a theory that fits that is something that could work. Yeah, it's possible. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Brian says, do we know if they also brought Jerry Gutierrez in to testify in 2000? I find it odd that he wasn't questioned more, seeing as he went in the station while the unsub was still there. He actually was. I was just before we recorded here, like I mentioned earlier, I'm still trying to figure out where to go with this week's episode because there's a lot of stuff that needs to be covered. One of them is Gutierrez. I When I went into his file, there was a lot of police interaction with him. There's several reports. And yes, the answer to the question is he did testify. I skimmed through that real quick to try to prep to be able to answer this question. And it seems like when he testified, 
there was a he just didn't remember things. And I think that's why he didn't help Jamie. I mean, there was a, just from the little bit I was reading, you know, there was a lot of him saying, I, I just don't remember. I don't really remember the face. I don't remember this. I don't remember that. And that feels truthful with that much time. Covered. Right. That probably, feels very truthful. Yeah. He's probably telling the truth. Mm -hmm. All right. And our last questions from Ashley. Is there any update on Sandy Melgar's case or have you received any good tips from the reward offering? There, There is stuff happening. Yes. Um, I cannot get into what exactly is going on, but so yeah, I, I know this is, this sounds like I'm trying to be coy about it. I'm not, I just, I just can't get into it, but yes, there is stuff going on there. There have been tips come in that have led to more information, but it's all being worked on still. And I just, I just can't talk about it right now, but rest assured there is movement in Sandy's case. And along those lines, looking back at other seasons, Ed Eights just called me last night to let me know that his ankle bracelet's gone. He finally, now it's been just over a year. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. And he, I, I got a call from him late last night. And I was like, that's a weird time for Ed to be calling me. He's calling me to let me know they took his ankle bracelet off. So he doesn't have the restrictions anymore. He can go wherever he wants and do whatever he wants to do, which is, I, I, I haven't, we haven't had a long conversation because I was busy last night, but I'm going to, I'm definitely going to bring him on next week so we i'm sure a lot of you guys want to just hear from him hear how he's doing and i've got questions i want to know can he leave the state now because if he is i'm sending him a plane ticket yeah. and we're, we're gonna, barbecuing yeah and we're gonna have and i'd like to have ed sit in it'd be great if he could actually sit in on uh that'd be amazing on one of the podcasts so that's coming up and along with news i'm really late to the game i'm definitely not getting the scoop this week because last week we recorded the follow-up on wednesday morning and four hours later, our season four case, George Powell walked out of prison. So George is now free. He's out on bond awaiting a new trial, which I don't believe is ever going to happen. But unfortunately, he, when he got out, we had already had last week's episodes together. So we, I, we weren't able to bring it up last week. But George is out. Again, he's, he's awaiting that trial. So far, the GoFundMe, I want to I personally thank all of you who have donated to help George transition out. You know, I think that we still have more we could do and a longer way to go, but I think we're over $9,000 in the GoFundMe account right now, which is GoFundMe.com slash George Home. And that's, a, that's, that's amazing. That's a lot of money, but I would love to see him be able to really get his feet under him. You know, I, I spoke with him this morning, and I'm about to play some of that conversation for you just so you guys can hear from George a little bit. He, he needs to get a vehicle. And and he wants to, you know, he's got to start working. He has some injuries from a surgery he had to his ankle while he was in prison that it, that have kind of limited what he can do because of his leg. But he he built fences. He wants to get a truck where he can do, do some trucking. So he, he's got a lot of things he wants to do. But the bottom line is, even at nine thousand dollars, you know, to, you you buy a decent, reliable used vehicle, and that's gone, mm -hmm. you know, before he can ever get started. So. I'd love to see us do a little more than that. But in the meantime, this is my conversation with George Powell this morning. You know, he's, he's talking to me and talking to you guys a little bit throughout it. It's just a short piece of that. But I wanted you all to hear from George, and we're going to be hearing more from him as time goes on. How are you doing uh, learning how to use an iPhone or whatever you're using now? Yeah, I'm, it's an iPhone. But I'm blessed to have the one of the best pieces of technology out there right now, but it's... You know, I have to relearn a whole bunch of things. It, it, it has nothing to do with technology. Just, re, just relearning how to wake up 
and eat. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you, I can go through a whole day and re- realize, hey, I haven't even eaten anything today. No wonder I feel so frustrated and tired. You know, just just the stuff that all all of the the accumulation of things that you learn, and then with something tragic happen, and you're taking your you're not able to exercise everything that you learned. You don't. You, you, it's just taken away from you after 11 years of being locked up. It's it's impossible. You don't even realize you're not you're you're unlearning things. Right. I remember when Ed got out, he said a lot of the same stuff. Like he mentioned the eating too, because you know for all those for him for 20 years, he was told when it was time to eat, and that's when he'd go eat. Right. Right. I mean, and and then the boundaries that are set on you, boundaries that are set on you when you're locked up. You know, now here I am in this in this apartment, and the truth about it is I haven't really gone outside at all yet. You know, I mean, I've been, I, I you know, I, when 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 Tamara comes home, you know, she'll be like, "Come on, let's go," but like, my curfew is seven. 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. I haven't really gone anywhere out this door on my own. I still have to get used to that, you know? Right. Do you have to check in with a, with a PO or anything to let them know where you're going, when you're going there at all times? No, nah, but I do have a GPS monitor on me, so I'm being monitored at all times. Right. But you can go wherever you want during that 7A to 7P time. Yeah. The only thing you told me, the judge told me was the curfew, and um, that's it. Just curfew. Yes. So, so how are you holding up? I mean, it sounds like you're you're going through quite a bit of adjustment. Yeah, I'm just getting used to, like, when I go to a store, a public place, I have to remember that you ha- you can't you can't communicate with people like you do when you're locked up. How so? Courtesy, sociable, you know, in the penitentiary, me, I had to learn how to demand, Mm -hmm. you know, so I was demanding and everything, everywhere I went and people get used to who you are there. So you demand, either they're going to comply or not. And if they, if they comply, then good. They don't comply, but then we go to that next step and you're going to comply anyway. Out here, you can't act like that. So it's it's like an automatic response that I have to check myself before I get myself into start start developing bad relationships. Right with out here. So speaking of, speaking of relationships, tell me about the goods. What what's been good since you've been out? Well, me and Tamara, we are getting along great. It's a blessing. To have a woman like Tamara in my life, she, if it wasn't for her, I would be, I would be in trouble. I wouldn't know how to do anything. Mm-hmm. But she, 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 she's giving me a home. You know, I got two cats, dogs. Uh, they love me to death already. She's giving me, you know, Sierra's her daughter, and me and Sierra love each other. I mean, every everything that I need that I can't do for myself right now. Tamara, she's been the one that has facilitated everything. It's like with, with you, Bob, mm-hmm. and with the Truth of Justice Army, you guys have made 
this day a lot easier for me. I don't know if I would have got out and wouldn't have had none of you, none of you guys. I'm not saying I would have reverted back to my old ways, but I mean, there's just, you know, there's just, there's, I just don't see it as a, as, 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 it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have turned out that good. Cause I don't know how to, I don't know how to get to make it in this society today. If you could understand what I'm saying, Bob. I do. I do. And you know, George, why, you know, what I want to, what I want to do with this is in, in our episode that we're going to uh, put out on Friday, I want to close it with this, you know, a short conversation with you. So if you want to, this is, this is an opportunity for you to speak to all those people uh, that have been there. And so I'm just going to give you this platform to give us a, give a message to all the people that are listening. That's great. That's great. Cause I'm still on, look, if there's one thing I have learned from all of this, because I've learned what's wrong with the system. Because I see, I see the behaviors that are demonstrated or that are exhibited by our representatives, the people that we as the people are supposed to trust. The district attorneys, the attorneys themselves, we got the judge. These individuals, they are the administrators of justice. They're the ones that all of us take for granted that are going to do the right thing when it comes to the justice system. And I know the truth. I know it's a bunch of smoke and mirrors. I know that the system is not concerned about truth and justice. The system is concerned about revenue. So my position today is still the same as it was the day before I got out of penitentiary. And that is criminal justice reform. And so everybody out there that has been operating within the Truth and Justice Army, whose numbers are exponential, they have a lot of people in their lives individually. I want everybody to know that I am learning how to move forward generating the energy needed for people to believe in this movement wholeheartedly. Because if we don't do something now, we there's already so much legislation in law that the police, that the courts on every single level are, are benefiting from. The people are not benefiting from the law. If the people were benefiting from the laws, then there wouldn't be so much crime. There wouldn't be so much pain. There wouldn't be so much suffering. There wouldn't be so much so much controversy. There wouldn't be so many people locked up for things that they didn't do. And what has to happen, this is the, this is what I'm standing on. This is where my sanity is. What has to happen is we have to get more people involved. We have to create an actual Unification, more than just a Facebook relationship. The Truth and Justice Army, everybody within it, they are phenomenal. And I appreciate each and every person in there. There's a whole bunch of people out there that aren't a part of the Truth and Justice Army that need to know about you guys. And, of course, I want to be a part of that, Bob. I want to be a part. I still have to learn how to do that. But when it comes to this criminal justice 
perform movement. That's what I want to be known for. I'm not scared to speak. I just need to. I just need to know what I need to say. I'm not scared to stand up and be strong. I just need to know what to say. I want to do what you do, Bob. I want to do what you do. Okay, we're going to hear more from George as we learn more about his case, and I think that when, if and when Bell County takes him back to trial, I would love to see a massive outpouring of support of Truth and Justice listeners there in the crowd. Let that district attorney and, and the judge and everyone see the amount of support George has behind him. And again, I want to ask one more time that if you have the means to do so, I would love it if we can get George to a point where he can get a vehicle and he can he can really get his life started. You know, he's he's struggling getting going and I think with you know many hands make light work. If we can all just spare a couple dollars all of us together, that is going to make a, a massive difference for George. Like I said, we're already over $9,000. Uh, I did with it with George's fund as I've done with most of them. I matched the first 1000 that's already in there. And so I would love, let's, let's see if we can hit 15,000 by the end of next week. I think that would be amazing. Again, you can donate at gofundme.com slash George home. And that is going to be it for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks, Zach. Thank you guys. Yep. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. And we'll see you guys next week. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Mike Bussing is our executive producer, and all music for the show is created and composed by PutThemInASong.com. Our Friday Follow-Up logo was created by Amanda Meyer with Willow Photo and Design. And all of our font across all of our logos and banners was created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. I want to thank Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our transcription team, Natalie Alicia, Pamela Westby, Pam Maples, and Jen Reese in Candela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to Patreon.com slash TruthAndJustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels on Patreon that include access to behind-the-scenes videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, ad-free versions of all of our episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a 5-star rating and review, and lastly, you can always support the show by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website. Just click on the Case Submissions button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. And for all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter. The show's handle is at truthjusticepod, and my personal Twitter handle is at bobruftruth. And you can also connect with Mike at mbussing89. For more personal interactions, feel free to follow me on Instagram at truthjusticepod. 
And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice. You know, I was thinking, Mike, you should let them those chickens out more. More than we do already? Let them on the morning, put them in at night. Because you know why? Yeah. You know, the quality really isn't there. The Mike's yolks taste like grain. Okay. I said he's got like Kobe beef, but they're chickens. Like massages them, mm-hmm. feeds them grain, feeds them beer. Right. Right. Did you know this? Did you know that if you don't wash the eggs, you don't have to refrigerate them? Really? Yep. I don't know why that is. Or if that's true. Right, yeah. Like I'm, that's, I don't, I'm not saying anything after that. I'm like, oh, that's going to get fact-checked. Look out. I've been told by multiple sources that you, when you wash them, something happens with the thing. And that's when you really have to put them in the fridge. If you don't wash them, they don't have to go in the fridge. You think about it, those, those chickens lay their eggs outside, and then they sit on them. And they don't rot. No, but they turn into chickens and hash. Yeah, but they do turn into chickens. <laughs> They'll turn into chickens if you don't... If you, don't, if you don't put them in the they fridge. They go away. Right. They go away. Yeah. And then you got a whole chicken to eat. That's right. true. Somebody look that up. There we go. There it is right there. In fact, many who raise chickens often leave them out until ready to use. As soon as eggs have been washed, though, it is important that they are refrigerated for safety reasons. Washed or not, eggs will stay fresh longer when kept cold. So we're believing it because it's on the internet. Yeah. What's the link? Uh, HGTV.com. And if you can't trust HGTV.com, who the fuck can you trust? What do you want me to find? A dot gov? Be- better Homes and Gardens. Do we trust them? Let's I see trust them okay, we more trust than Better HGTV. Homes and Gardens. It doesn't say Better Homes and Gardens. It says Better Hens and Gardens. Better Hens and Gardens. Do we trust Better Hens and Gardens? No, not as much as I trust Better Homes and Gardens. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think I like that. I think it's a magazine or something, right? Yeah. No, this is a fucking blog. Like, now this is this is some... This is this lady. Yeah, it is. It is. She's just... She's telling us that we don't have to watch... writing a bullshit article to make money. Get out of here. She looks really smart. Get out of here. She looks intelligent. Does she have a bio? Yeah, she's a doctor. What? Oh, okay, I believe it. She's a doctor. Where the fuck do you see that? Well, I'm assuming based on her flannel shirt. That she could be a lumberjack. (laughs) There it is. (laughs)